This is Morning Air. This is about educating a people that for 40 years haven't been given the full truth. It's time now to speak the truth. When you do things to the best of your ability, keeping Jesus number one and doing everything you possibly can for His glory, that's a winner. You are called to make the light of Christ shine brightly in the world. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio. It's Monday, January 10th, 2022. Good morning and welcome back to our second hour of Morning Air. I'm John Morales. Glenn is off today. Thanks so much for joining us this Monday morning. On Mondays, traditionally, we pray for the souls in purgatory of our relatives and all of our loved ones. We begin every program and every hour giving thanks to our Lord for the many blessings through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, pray for us. And we always invoke the Holy Spirit when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The college football playoff national championship game is tonight in Indianapolis with the number one ranked Alabama Crimson Tide taking on the Georgia Bulldogs in a rematch of the SEC title game that Alabama won 41-24 just over a month ago. Alabama is in the national title game for the sixth time in seven seasons and the Tide are six-point favorites tonight. Georgia is looking for their first national championship since 1980. Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life is from Revelation 3.20. Our Lord Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. Our Lord Jesus Christ wants us to hear his voice. He knocks on the door of our hearts, inviting us to sup with him, that is to eat his body and blood in the Holy Eucharist. Christ desires a close, intimate relationship with us, the faithful. Do we really take advantage of this gift of love, of his true presence, substantially present in the sacred host under the appearance of bread and wine in the most holy Eucharist. Our U.S. bishops are calling for a Eucharistic revival this year here in 2022. Let's start today by opening the door of our hearts and letting our Lord Jesus feed us with the bread of life, the Holy Eucharist. We always pray with great confidence, Jesus, I trust in you. A number of you want to be part of the program. 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Now, yesterday we celebrated the baptism of the Lord, and with that, Epiphany Week is all over. But the question is, what is Epiphany Week, and why is it important for all of us as uh, we begin ordinary time uh, this Monday morning? Joining us now for much more perspective on Epiphany Week is our spiritual director, uh, Father Burke Masters, the Chicago Cubs Catholic chaplain known as the baseball priest as well as the director 
director for the office for adult formation for the Diocese of Joliet, Illinois, and of course a longtime Morning Air contributor. Father Burke, good morning. Happy New Year. Thanks so much for being with us once again. It's always great to be with you. Happy New Year to you, John, and always always good to be always good to be with you here. It's it's so cold here in Chicago. Maybe my uh, uh, mouth isn't working well yet. <laughs> well, Father Burke, I was thinking about you uh, with the big national championship game uh, tonight uh, uh, as an SEC and a Mississippi State alum. Uh, what are your thoughts uh, on the national championship game uh, with Alabama squaring off with Georgia? You know, I, I tend to pull for the underdog, John, so... Um, I know I've got some good friends who are Alabama fans, and um, but I always like to see somebody new win. Uh, I always pull for the SEC, so now that both teams are in the SEC, uh, I think I'm going to be pulling for Georgia. They've had a tough time getting past Alabama, but maybe tonight will be the night. should be a great game. But, Absolutely. Uh, it should be, time, Alabama, it should be a yeah, Alabama no, go seems ahead, to Father. be on a good run right now, too. No doubt. Uh, yeah, the, the Georgia, the Bulldogs are definitely the underdogs, but uh, you know that they'll be trying to uh, atone uh, for their dissipating, disappointing loss in the SEC uh, championship game. In fact, they haven't beaten Alabama since way back in 2007. So uh, the old adage that it, it's hard uh, to beat a team twice, yeah, although you can never uh, count out uh, Nick Saban and company. Yeah, just the the dynasty that he has put together at Alabama is, is quite impressive. Whether you like Alabama or not, uh, it's it's amazing what they've been able to do over a long stretch. Very few universities, even professional teams, can put together that kind of run. So my, my hat goes off to them. No question. Uh, just uh, getting to the uh, national championship game uh, for the sixth time in seven seasons is is pretty impressive uh, for uh, Alabama Crimson Tide coach Nick Saban. And, you know, being a, on Catholic radio station, uh, you know, Nick Saban is, is a Catholic and having friends who have gone to Alabama, they've, you know, they see him at mass and I think he's, he's done a, a lot for the, the Catholic church and the Catholic community there uh, in on campus and in Tuscaloosa. So um, we appreciate that part of his life as well. Absolutely. And it's always great to have that perspective because there are so many uh, Catholic athletes uh, in all sports, including uh, college football. So it, it'll be fun tonight to see what happens. Uh, Bulldogs, Crimson Tide going at it uh, for the national championship, Father. It, it'll be fun to watch, and um, you know, you think about how many teams, you know, just dream about getting there one time, let alone, you know, six of the last seven years. So, uh, um, yeah, get your popcorn or whatever you like to eat while watching a game, and get ready tonight. It should be fun. And it's it's nice to have a little diversion, especially during these difficult times that we've been uh, living in uh, with the pandemic and all the um, division that's going on in our country. It's nice for at least for three hours uh, our country could come together and, and, and root for either Georgia or Alabama. Yeah, it is. Sports has a way of, 
of uniting a country. You remember after 9-11 when, you know, pretty much everything in the country shut down for a while and everybody was glued to their TVs and there was so much fear. Uh, really one of the, the biggest things that happened uh, was uh, the baseball game. That's what kind of restarted our country. And for for a moment there, everybody united together as Americans. And, uh, you know, it was it was the game of baseball that did that. So hopefully, you know, sometimes when we have all of this uh, division and polarization that we see in our country, um, sometimes a, a little opposition can, you know, unite a country. And not that that's happening, you know, right now as far as countries opposing us, but why don't we all stand together, uh, you know, as a country uh, against, you know, this disease um, and, and whatever else that may be happening and say, let's, let's be uh, one nation under God as we were founded. Amen. That, that sounds fantastic. Well, Father, it's hard to believe that today we, we begin ordinary time. Uh, the Christmas season uh, has ended, although I haven't put away my tree yet. Um, there's a, a few things we wanted to talk about here. Uh, the solemnity of the Epiphany, normally it's traditionally celebrated on January 6th, but this year was celebrated on January 2nd. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the, the importance of that feast and how it sets the stage uh, for the baptism of the Lord that we celebrated uh, yesterday. Yeah, so so often, uh, you know, there's so much buildup to Christmas, you know, Christmas sales and everything starts to go up now, you know, it seems like in, in October. <laughs> and, uh, and then because of that, I think once we celebrate Christmas Day, you know, there's just like a, a deep breath and okay, now we're done with that. Everybody takes down their decorations and um and say okay let's move on but in the church as you know christmas is just the beginning of uh this christmas season which moves into epiphany and then ends with the baptism of the lord which we celebrated yesterday and so just an encouragement to say this christmas day is just the beginning and epiphany means revelation so people will say you know i had an epiphany today meaning they had a revelation or they had a uh, this kind of insight. And so in the church, epiphany means that Jesus is revealing himself as the Son of God. And so many of us have struggled with faith at some time or another during our lives. I know I have. And what the church does is they package in this epiphany week, actually in, all the way from Christmas to the baptism of the Lord, these different epiphanies to say, you know, if you're struggling with faith or if you wonder if Jesus is God, you know, read these stories. Listen to the many ways that Jesus reveals himself. And so it begins with, you know, Christmas itself and, you know, the star leading the shepherds to the manger. And, uh, you know, these beautiful things being said about Jesus by, by the angel. And then the shepherds share the, this with Joseph and Mary. And then last week, as you said, the, the epiphany um, where the Magi, you know, have been studying the stars and they, everything lines up and they are led uh, to the manger as well. They bring their finest gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, gold for a king, frankincense uh, for God, you know, and then myrrh for somebody 
who is going to die. And it's kind of this foreshadowing and this revealing, this epiphany of who Jesus is. And then throughout this week, we've had one after another of these of similar kind of miraculous revelations that Jesus is God to reinforce our faith. Father Burke, I, I was um, moved by uh, Pope Francis' Uh, words uh, on the solemnity of uh, the Epiphany in which he encouraged people to spend time in the presence of Christ in adoration like the Magi. Mm. Yeah, you think about that, that the same Jesus that was born in Bethlehem, the same Jesus who, you know, was raised by Joseph and Mary that was crucified on the cross is the same Jesus that uh, is in the consecrated host at Mass or and in the tabernacle in every Catholic church in the world. And so we, as the Pope said, we have the opportunity, like the Magi, who I can imagine they knelt there, as you said, in adoration of the Christ child, Mary and Joseph adoring their child, that we as Catholics, and anyone for that matter, uh, can come and adore the Lord. It made me think of Someone in my first parish, she wasn't Catholic, but she was kind of feeling drawn uh, to the Catholic Church. And so we had adoration coming up, and I, I, she was starting to come to Mass to get a feel for the Catholic Church. And then we had adoration one night, and she stopped me after Mass. She's like, I'm nervous about coming to adoration. She said, either that is God, and I'm going to become Catholic, or it's the biggest form of idolatry ever. <laughs> you know, kneeling before a piece of bread. So I invited her to come, and, and she came to adoration, and she's now been a Catholic for, for many years. So it's that sense of she just knew that as she adored the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, that that was Him, and uh, it changed her life as it did mine. And once again, uh, the U.S. bishops are reminding us uh, about the importance of meditating on the Holy Eucharist uh, as we're going to be focusing on the Holy Eucharist here in, in this year. Uh, it is the source and summit of our faith. This is what it's all about, is uh, focusing on Jesus truly present in, in the Holy Eucharist. Uh, there's a lot of revelations uh, about Jesus being God that uh, we've been meditating upon uh, in this past week, this Epiphany week. Can you talk about some of these other revelations uh, in, in the way the Church so beautifully uh, lays it out for us? Sure. Yeah, so starting with Epiphany Sunday, uh, which, as you said, this year was January 2nd. So on Monday, uh, we read the Gospel of the people bringing all of their sick. It says Jesus cured every kind of illness and disease. And, you, and so think about this in terms of, do I believe that Jesus is divine? And we believe, you know, he's both fully human and fully divine. Can somebody cure illness or disease? You know, there are some doctors, you know, who, who can do that. And they, they, have, they have gifts, but every kind of illness and disease miraculously was, was cured. The next day we read Jesus feeding 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. <laughs> and not only was everybody satisfied, but there were 12 baskets full of food left over. There was more left over than they started with. And so you can imagine people, especially the apostles who knew what they started with, thinking, oof, what's going on here? Then the next day, you know, there's a storm on the sea. 
with the apostles in the boat, Jesus, first of all, he walks on water, which no human being can do. And then he calmed the storm and the seas. So he has dominion over all of creation. The next day, we hear Jesus reading from Isaiah 61, which Isaiah was prophesying about the Messiah. You know, and he says, I, I came to bring good news to the poor, you know, uh, to let the oppressed go free and or to set, set the captives free. And as after re- Jesus read it, he sat down and everybody was looking at him and he said, today, this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, the Messiah that you're looking for is right in front of you. And uh, people were amazed, and but others were, you know, thinking he's, he's speaking blasphemy because they knew that that scripture was about the Messiah. So Jesus basically, as clearly as he could, is saying, I'm the one. And then the next day he heals a leper. Um, you know, most people ran from the lepers at the time. And so he went and touched the man and the, the man was immediately cured. And then both Saturday and then yesterday, we hear, we hear about John the Baptist. So John, John had become pretty famous and many people thought he was the Messiah. They thought, you know, the way he preaches, the way he lives his life, there's something special about him. He must be the Messiah. And, you know, John very clearly says, I'm not the Christ. I'm not the anointed one. Um, he points to Jesus and says, he's the one you got to follow. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. I must decrease and he must increase. So John is trying to clearly point us to Jesus as the Messiah. So if you take all of those together, and there's many, many more in Scripture, but what the church is trying to do in this week is to package some of the most amazing stories to help us reflect on the divinity of Jesus, that he is, he is the Son of God, and he's worthy of our, our response, our, our worship, our thanksgiving. Very powerful. Uh, Jesus is the Son of God. He's also the divine physician. Uh, the feeding of 5,000 is a type of the Eucharist. He, he walks on water. He is the Lord of the universe. He's truly the Messiah. You know, when he, he heals the leper, it made me think, um, Father, the, the other day as I was being uh, tested for COVID, you may have heard that my whole family got COVID. I, I was out last week recovering, and I went in for the test, and I'm thinking to myself, these nurses uh, and these uh, uh, health workers, these people are heroic in many ways. You know, they're they're kind of like, uh, you know, our Lord, who was not afraid to go uh, in front of the lepers uh, back in the day. Uh, today, these nurses are sitting there testing people that could get them sick day in and day out across our country and around the world. And in many ways, they're doing the, the, the work of, of Jesus. They are, and we really should be thanking uh, all of our frontline healthcare workers uh, repeatedly. Imagine over the last two years how how stretched they've been, uh, and how they continually put themselves out there, as you say, risking their own health. Um, and uh, yeah, so I have several friends who are doctors and nurses, and try to thank them constantly for for what they've they've done for us as you say they're they're doing the lord's work in and among us 
I think it's uh, it's so important to uh, to remember uh, some of these uh, revelations that we just received from the church here during this Epiphany week. And as you said, that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's many, many more. But I think that this is a good way to set the stage for the new year. It is, and for those uh, uh, who may not be familiar with the, the series that the Chosen, um, I encourage you to to watch that series. Many of these miracle stories are depicted so well in The Chosen and I think really help our faith come alive when we see it depicted so well. One of the best depictions of Jesus and and the Gospels that I've seen. Well, Father Burke, uh, as always, uh, I really appreciate uh, your spiritual perspective. Uh, uh, we, we have a lot to, uh, to focus on, uh, a lot of New Year's resolutions, but I think the spiritual ones are, are probably the most important. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Thanks, to, thanks so thanks much. And your, your, your final uh, call for tonight, Alabama or Georgia? Uh, my, my heart says Georgia. My head says Alabama. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. Father Burke Masters, the director for the Office for Adult Formation for the Diocese of Joliet, Illinois, and the baseball priest. Uh, we need to take a break. When Morning Air continues, Catholic author Emily Jaminet is going to be with us to discuss how we can allow the love of the sacred heart of Jesus to rebuild your domestic church. Stay with us. There's much more to come as Morning Air continues after this. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com Forrester. Get connected to the conversation. Call us now at 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. You're listening to Morning Air with John Morales. Hey, I'm glad it's Monday. Welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for joining us. A number if you want to be part of the conversation, 888-914-9149. That's 888 now, can you believe that today we have started ordinary time in the liturgical calendar of the Catholic Church? As we head into ordinary time with our families, it's a perfect time to refocus on what truly love is by allowing the sacred heart of Jesus to impact our hearts and our homes. Joining us now is Emily Jaminet to talk about allowing the love of the sacred heart of Jesus to rebuild your domestic church. Emily is on a mission to help Catholics to be impacted by the love of Christ in their hearts and homes. She's a Catholic author, speaker, radio personality, wife, podcaster, and the mother of seven children. She's also the director of the Welcome His Heart and she can be found at emilygeminet.com. Her most recent award-winning book is entitled Secrets of the Sacred Heart, 12 Ways to Claim Jesus' Promises in Your Life. Good morning, Emily. Happy New Year. Welcome back to Morning Air. It's great to be with you once again. Good morning, John. It is so great to be back with you in the ordinary time season. I like to call it the green season a lot of those Christmas decorations have been put away. The house has been tidied up. And, you know, in many ways, it's time to really refocus on what matters most. 
you know, as our temple, the Holy Spirit is, is always, you know, always in, in progress, hoping to eat better, exercise to those things. But I really want to challenge your listeners and even myself to refocus our hearts, refocus our hearts on receiving the love of Jesus and sharing that love with others, because that's where the greatest impact surely takes place. I love it. Uh, and uh, in prepping for this segment, I, I understand that it was actually your children who came up with this saying of the green season here as we begin Ordinary Time. They did. They they love the, you know, liturgically we can look to the church, we can see what's going on, you know, um, when we go to Mass, and then our goal is to bring that home and to live it out. I was actually talking to my 14-year-old about the theme of our ministry for the entire year, and I said to him, I said, I need a word that is so captivating to help families receive the love of Jesus. And he said, Mom, what if you said the theme is rebuild, rebuild the domestic church through the Sacred Heart? And I think that's a great place for all of us, because the truth is, John, you can't give what you don't have. And oftentimes when, when the Christmas decorations are put away, all of the sweets are removed from the house, it's time to refocus on what Jesus is really offering us. And that's a personal relationship that can be lived out through our Catholic faith. No doubt about it. That's really uh, what the Christmas season was all about, the Jesus, uh, the reason for the season. And uh, the, the church, once again, uh, wants us to uh, refocus and rededicate ourselves to that personal relationship with our Lord here at the beginning of uh, the ordinary time. Real quickly, for people who don't quite understand what this term means, because it's not really just ordinary. Uh, yes, we're back to uh, the green time, as as your kids call it, but uh, what, what exactly is, or how would you describe ordinary time? Well, I think it's a simple way of understanding that this is where we are growing closer to the Christ, but we're not, you know, in a specific penatorial season, such as, you know, Lent, which will be approaching soon, but we'll be focusing on the life of Christ lived out through his through his ministry, through the Gospels, and, you know, we just finished the great 12 days of Christmas. We are actually invited to celebrate for those 12 days and to enter into the fullness of the Christmas season. So if we live out the liturgy as, if we live out the liturgical season as it's presented as the laity, we really have times of feasting, of fasting, and of living. And so for my family and, and the work we do, you know, this is an opportunity to simplify your life to prepare for the next great season of Lent, but to really understand the little moments are where our faith are lived out. Those, those ordinary moments that can turn extraordinary with the impact of love of Christ and grace. And so, Emily, uh, the big question here on this uh, first Monday of Ordinary Time, how can we allow the warmth of the Sacred Heart of Jesus uh, to warm up our hearts as well as our homes? Well, I think first, John, you know, this little saying goes a long way with me, and I share it frequently. You can't give what you don't have. And I think every parent, everyone knows that moment where you feel burned out, you feel empty, you feel like, I just can't continue doing it the way I have. And that's really an invitation to go closer to Christ. I remember when I had that moment, I, I was a mom, I had all these little children, and I knelt before the image of the Sacred Heart in my home, and I said, Jesus, you can have the marriage, 
the family, and even my future. And that powerful prayer impacted my, my work, and, and who would have known that this would be my mission to promote this love? But I invite people to recognize that love pours forth from the heart of Jesus. It's, he's inviting us to welcome him into our hearts and then to share that love with others. So we really are invited to know that he is the way, the truth, the life, and that we're going to follow him. We have this beautiful gift uh, of the, the Sacred Heart of, of Jesus. Um, what are some of the benefits of having this devotion to the Sacred Heart uh, for us personally and also for our homes? Well, I like to call it a stabilizing devotion. If you are looking to set your 2022 you know, New Year's resolutions and, and course of action, I can't speak enough about entering deeper into a devotion that generations upon generations of Catholics have lived out and shown us the way to grow in holiness through the heart of Jesus. We can see that in the lives of the saints. We can see that even where John the Apostle went at that Last Supper, when he heard about the crucifixion, when Jesus told him what was coming, he leaned back onto the heart of Jesus. I like to say he went and listened to the heartbeat of our Lord in those difficult moments. So I... I know we all have difficult moments. We can't give what we don't have. But that invitation to listen to our Lord, to grow closer to our Lord, is always being invited to us through the Sacred Heart of Jesus devotion. And, and the truth is, then all of your, your difficulties take on new meaning, and the Holy Eucharist will even take on a deeper, deeper meaning and purpose in your life when you come to understand the completeness of this devotion. We're joined by Catholic author, speaker, and uh, mother of seven children, Emily Gemina, talking about allowing the love of the Sacred Heart of Jesus to rebuild your domestic church. Emily, I have this uh, magnificent, beautiful image of the Sacred Heart of Jesus here in my office in studio that I'm looking at. Uh, I could look at it all day long. It's just so moving. Uh, can you talk about the power of holy images to, to remind us about the love of our Lord Jesus Christ? Looks like we are having a, a little technical uh, difficulty with our connection with Catholic author uh, Emily Jaminet. Uh, but we're, we're talking about uh, the beauty of uh, this devotion of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, uh, a devotion that for the, this former sports reporter uh, means uh, so, so much. Um, in fact, uh, and I've shared this in the past, I actually uh, buried my father uh, with a framed uh, picture, image of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Uh, so um, have an image here in studio, and uh, I think it's, it's such a, a powerful way to, to remind us uh, of the, the beauty of uh, this devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Emily, you're back with us. Yes, and you know, as you talk about that image, I think it's a great reminder to see that it's a wounded heart, right, John? His heart is not perfect. His heart was literally wounded with the lance that came up and pierced it, and also the brokenness. When you read the Gospels and you read, you know, what Jesus went through, even the heartache of his apostles leaving him, you know, in those before the crucifixion, you come to appreciate that our heartaches, our difficulties, our trials each day have new meaning when we bring them to Jesus. But having the image of the Sacred Heart, I like to call it like a holy stop sign, right? A holy reminder that we can go deeper into prayer or even gain a greater perspective 
on what's going on in our life with having these images um, in our in our house, in our work, in, in where we gather. Absolutely. Uh, it is, no doubt, a, a holy stop sign. You, you see this image, and it, you, you can't help but be moved uh, when you meditate on uh, this image of our blessed Lord uh, in, the, in the Sacred Heart image. Um, there's also um, prayers that we uh, can pray to, to Jesus uh, that are part of this devotion. Can you, can you sh- talk a little bit about uh, some of these prayers and also just uh, the, the, the beauty of uh, enthroning our homes to the Sacred Heart of Jesus? I know you were part of a, a Sacred Heart Congress uh, back in November that was apparently extremely well received. Yes, I think, you know, you just bring, bring to light that a lot of times little moments, um, when we look back on our faith life, can be extraordinary moments. So first, you know, having that image in your home, um, you know, and, and beginning to really purify your home, welcoming Jesus in, and, and that's best lived out even through the enthronement of the Sacred Heart. I think of, you know, that, that in Revelations where Jesus is knocking, um, knocking on our heart, knocking on the door. He wants to come into our ordinary life, and a lot of times we think we got to clean everything up and make it look good, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to work on my prayer life once I work on X, Y, Z. But enthronement is really that Psalm 102, but you, Lord, are enthroned forever, renounced for all generations. It's, you know, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord in Joshua. But it's the family wanting to live out the ninth promise that Jesus gave to St. Margaret Mary Alico, that where his image is exposed and honored, you shall be blessed. So it's all of that coming together, welcoming the reign of, of Christ in your home, and then when you go forth always trusting in him and knowing that he's present. So at the, the at welcomeisheart.com, we promote a self-guided enthronement kit. I'm so glad that you brought up uh, that scripture from the book of Revelation. In fact, that was our power scripture from the playbook of life uh, at the top of the show. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Uh, Our Lord clearly is inviting us uh, to dine with him in the Holy Eucharist. He is. And and that's what's so powerful when we enter in to this devotion to the heart of Jesus. Again, it's a roadmap for living out our Catholicism. Everything takes on new meaning, our ordinary life and our ordinary homes. And also, when we go to Mass, our eyes, it's like I like to tell the children, they can, you know, it's like wearing um, our glasses that allow us to see what's really going on and that this is a moment of an encounter with love. That's what it is when we receive the whole Eucharist. So everything takes on this new meaning, but our prayers, you know, John, can be as simple as, you know, um, Jesus, meek and humble of heart, make my heart like unto thine when we when we enter into that relationship with Jesus. Or just saying the name of Jesus with reverence can be so impactful in our ordinary moments, in our ordinary life. I remember hearing a priest a while back uh, who said that we should always pray at least a half an hour a day. And if we're really busy, make it an hour. It's something I, I always remember that, that, uh, that teaching. I want to talk about the importance of prayer, the necessity of prayer. But first, Emily, we need to take a short break. I also want to invite our listeners, if you want to join the conversation, uh, to talk about uh, your own personal devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus and how it helps you to uh, 
to rebuild your domestic church, uh, give us a call, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. We're going to take a short break. We'll continue our conversation with Catholic author Emily Jaminet. Stay with us. There's much more to come on the other side. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. Get connected to the conversation. Call us now at 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. You're listening to Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. And welcome back to Morning Air on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm John Morales. Uh, Thanks for joining us as we continue uh, talking about allowing the love of the Sacred Heart of Jesus to rebuild your domestic church with Catholic author, uh, speaker, and radio personality, and mother of seven children, Emily Jaminet. Emily, uh, welcome back. Thank you so much. And, you know, what a great topic on this first day of the ordinary times. And for a lot of us out there, you know, we we are longing for, for a deeper meaning, a deeper purpose in every day. And I'm certain that the heart of Jesus, you know, is inviting us to respond to his love. But we can't, you know, as I mentioned, you can't give what you don't have. But how do we connect with our Lord? It's through prayer. And this prayer, you know, is is such an opportunity for personal growth, but then also an extension to praying with our family and sharing that love and even expressing how important this devotion is to our family. And that's what's most impactful for them is when they feel the love of Jesus through us. It's so easy to get busy and uh, to just be involved in the hustle bustle every day, everything that's going on with the family, with work. Uh, and before you know it, the day has flown by and you haven't spent not a second in prayer. Uh, how can we make time for prayer? How can we uh, set the tone right from the very beginning of the day, maybe right off the bat with a, with a morning offering, the moment you wake up, and, and really uh, rededicate ourselves to our Lord and to this relationship with the Sacred Heart of Jesus? Yeah, so we talked about those holy stop signs, having the images in our home, not just having uh, stripped-down homes with, with nothing that is just secularized. As Catholics, we also need holy reminders. So the first place, you know, is what is our interaction with even our, our um, alarm clock? You know, do we set our alarm clock with enough time for morning prayer? You know, do we set our morning up so that before the children run off the door to school and we run off to work, that we have a moment to pray with them, even if it's, you know, blessing their their forehead, kissing them, telling them about the love of Christ. And, you know, we, we say this beautiful prayer to the Sacred Heart of Jesus in the morning and our Father, Hail Mary. Sometimes we even, you know, listen to the Holy Rosary as I'm, you know, preparing the food and getting their lunches made. But these are witnesses to them to see our legacy is we're striving to live out this devotion in those, even in those busy, busy morning moments. Do you have some practical uh, advice uh, for, especially for for moms, uh, you know, early in the morning who who get so busy that they f- sometimes feel overwhelmed and just find it so hard to find that time for prayer? You know, I think that a lot of times we can think, yes, I have practical advice because I've been living this. 
my biggest obstacles have been is when I overthink the um, simplicity of prayer. Prayer is a gift. It's an ongoing conversation with the Lord. So even first having the desire to want to incorporate prayer in the morning is a great place to start. And then looking at your morning realistically, if you're all running out the door at 7 o'clock, you know, 6.58 is not a very you know good time to start telling them it's time to pray. But instead, preparing the children, saying, we're going to, you know, this new year, we're going to say a few morning prayers before we walk out the door, and this is what it's going to look like. So setting them up for success, giving yourself enough time. One of the places that really um, formed my children the most, to be honest with you, John, was that morning commute to school. Instead of just listening to music, you know, we would talk about the love of God. I would catechize them, you know, encourage them to turn on, of course, relevant radio. And, and you know, ending that morning and, and interacting with them and telling them and encouraging them and then praying with them, saying, let's, let's really pray for everyone that's asked us to pray and then, you know, incorporating prayer. That's what I just did um, with getting my kids to school this morning. I'm so glad that you mentioned uh, Relevant Radio as uh, as part of your routine, because after all, our mission here at Relevant Radio is bringing Christ to the world through the media. It's all about Christ. It's all about developing a relationship with our Lord, and uh, this is this is what we do, and there's no one, nowhere else. You're not going to hear this in the mainstream media, the, the importance of the sacred art, developing uh, that prayerful relationship with, with Jesus, but this is is really the essence of why we exist, uh, to bring Christ uh, to our world, to our families. You, know, you bring up such a great point. I was giving a talk earlier this week, and I was expressing that one of the most impactful experiences for me as a youth was driving to my grandparents' house, arriving after two and a half hours, and then we would pray the rosary and watch Mother Angelica. And I said, I couldn't understand at the time. We just arrived at the at grandma's house. What's going on? But it was a witness to me. And, you know, for us, we can turn on Father Rocky and then enter into a beautiful rosary that's live and listening to prayer intentions. And, you know, Father Rocky can lead the rosary. So if you're feeling a little rocky and, and your skills are, I don't no really pun know intended. the prayers out loud. Feeling a little yeah, rocky. No pun intended. <laughs> but you let him lead you. So I, I, a lot of more, a lot of evenings when I'm tired, we just turn on Father Rocky, and and that's the legacy of prayer. That's the extension of of um, love that I want them to experience right in our own home. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. I can tell you, uh, right before Christmas, uh, as a family, we did the nine-day novena uh, in anticipation of Christmas. And prior to the novena, every night we prayed with Father Rocky um, on television. We watched him uh, on the, the YouTube channel, on, on the Relevant Radio YouTube channel. It was a, and it was a beautiful thing, and it's so moving, uh, especially to hear all the, the little children, all the young kids that call up and, and pray the rosary of Father Rocky uh, day in and, and day out. So so I think uh, uh, Father Rocky is continuing uh, the, the long-time uh, teaching uh, of way back in the 1940s, uh, the, the family that prays together stays together. You're right. And, you know, the family that meditates together as Catholics receives, right, grace. The, the Lord is wanting to fill us up, fill us up. And, you know, in this culture, a lot of people are getting confused by different religions and you know, we, we have meditation. Catholics have been meditating for generations. So let's let that meditation 
be through praying the Holy Rosary, through prayer, through focusing on Jesus Christ. Our Lord is uh, the great physician. Can you talk about uh, asking Jesus to heal your heart and your home? Um, how, how do, what, what does that look like? Well, I can tell you it's a beautiful miracle. I like to call them little M's. The big miracles, you know, the physical healings are always so exciting. But when a family is receives healing, heart healing, and is able to move on and forgive each other and be able to take those steps, that is their miracle. And, and when people tell me their testimonies, especially healing in the marriage, healing amongst um, relationships, it's, it's transformative. And so the Sacred Heart of Jesus is the healer, as you mentioned. He presents his heart. He loves us so much. Again, he's holding his heart out to us. He's showing us what it means for us to hold our hearts out and in, in where we can have that connection with him. He wants to heal us. But those healing, you know, really a powerful experience is when we are willing to forgive others, when we're willing to forgive our family members, and um, when we allow that forgiveness to enter into our relationships, it truly is a new beginning. So I can't say enough about what I'm seeing through the enthronement of softening hearts. A lot of us live in, in very uh, difficult living situations with our family members. This is the solution, is that healing of the heart that the Sacred Heart wants to offer us. And what about uh, gratitude? Can you talk a little bit about uh, uh, the attitude of gratitude and how we can let the, the love of our Lord Jesus Christ impact our hearts and grow in gratitude? Gratitude is really a fruit of this powerful gift of encounter with love. When Jesus touches your heart and he begins to heal you through his, his fullness, you know, we can begin to see our world differently. Sometimes it's a little bit of training, right, where we know that we're called to, you know, see the world through the gift of gratitude. So I have a gratitude journal, John. I write those things down in the morning to remind me of what is important. But once we start training ourselves to be more grateful and asking the Lord to give us the grace to be impacted, we really will, we really, really will be transformed. Emily, we have about 30 seconds. Just a, a final thought. I'd like to end on that powerful scripture uh, from St. Paul, Romans 8.28. We know that all things work for the good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. So, you know, whatever that trial is in your life, whatever that difficulty thing, you know, give it back to the Lord. I was, I've been raised in a family that that was our scripture. We talked about, you know, as a young child that God can use all things. So what, what is your thing today that the Lord can use to bring greater glory and to you know, make this new year focus on rebuilding your domestic church? Emily, as always, thanks so much. Uh, beautiful thoughts, uh, very powerful. Appreciate uh, your insights here this morning. Well, thank you so much for allowing us to speak about the love of Jesus. May we all be impacted by his perfect loving heart. Amen. And for much more, you can go to emilygeminit.com and welcomehisheart.com. And now it's time for another edition of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today is called The Best Day Ever. It's by Tanya from Sunny Skies in Australia. Well, that was the best day ever. My autistic son is a mapper. 
Human GPS memorizes Google Maps and downloads it in his brain forever. He loves to go for drives. He navigates and I go wherever he directs. There are hours spent on motorways on a weekly basis. Yesterday was his first time in the front seat. Now he's a happy flapper and bounces in his seat with an open mouth smile on his face that radiates joy. He cannot contain his excitement. It's my favorite time with him. We were cruising on the M5 heading to the Gold Coast with the same pot of cars for a while and a trucker must have clocked his happy flapping as we passed because he caught up to us and friendly tooted his deep truck horn, wound down his window to wave and toot again. My boy was so happy, he almost hit his head on the car roof. That awesome trucker must have radioed to local trucks on the M5, M2 and M6 route because every time we approached another truck, they did the same friendly toot and wave. We couldn't believe it. There were squeals of joy from him and tears from me. Best day ever. Romans 12.10 Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Glenn will be back live with us tomorrow. That'll do it for this edition of Morning Air for producers Gabby Berg, Mariano Gomez, Sarah Tafoya, Patrick Connolly, the entire Morning Air team. I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for joining us. Let your light shine before all. God love you. We'll see you tomorrow. The Patrick Madrid Show is straight ahead.